to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressmen because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Nothing good. Nothing, nothing, nothing good has ever come out of, well, <laughs> not just the CIA, but any of the alphabet federal agencies. Take your pick. Nothing. Anyway, the men were dosed with uh, LSD, and the brothels, uh, again, were equipped with uh, one, one-way mirrors, and the sessions were filmed for later viewing uh, and, uh, and study as part of, you know, the MKL program to see how they reacted. 
um, in that kind of environment under, you know, the influence of the drug and also to, to use as bribery material. Anyway, some subjects' uh, participation was consensual, and in many of these cases, the subjects appeared to be singled out for even more extreme experiments, depending on how they reacted. Oh, this would be a good, you know, a good candidate for this other experiment. Let's try it, you know, let's use them for that. Again, guys, like rats in a lab. In one case, uh, volunteers were given LSD for 77 days straight. Can you freaking believe that? Obviously. Permanent brain damage uh, resulted from that, guys. They don't give a damn. LSD uh, was eventually dismissed by MKUltra's researchers as too unpredictable in its effects. Yeah, no kidding. Although useful information uh, was sometimes uh, obtained through questioning subjects on LSD, uh, not uncommonly, the most marked effect would be the subject's absolute and utter certainty that they were able to withstand any form of interrogation attempt under physical torture. That's one of the things that uh, they liked about it. Another technique investigated was uh, connecting a barbiturate, uh, you know, an IV into one arm and an amphetamine IV into the other. Imagine that, guys. Pump them up. Doesn't matter. Uh, you know, how, how many people must have died during these experiments? We'll never know. Most of the documents have been either blacked out or destroyed completely. Uh, so, you know, it's anyone's guess, but I, I, I you know, I, I'd be willing to bet it was in the hundreds, if not thousands, of people. Don't forget, a lot of these people that they selected were mentally, uh, you know, handicapped or insane. They got them from, you know, asylums. A lot of them got, were, were gotten from prisons. Uh, and again, a lot of them were kids taken from, you know, orphanages, had no parental uh, uh, guardians that could, um, you know, that would know that they were missing. Uh, sickening. And again, guys, a lot of them were recruited uh, through, uh, you know, Satanist groups. We talked about that with the Franklin cover-up. The uh, barbiturates were released into the subject first, and uh, as soon as the subject began to fall asleep, the amphetamines were then released to keep them awake. Imagine the abuse on the system, guys. Let's knock them out, wake them up. Knock them out, wake them up. See what kind of effect that has. If they die, oh, well, next. But let's see what kind of effect that can have on the brain. How can you use that to, to control them? Unbelievable. Just like you would do with, uh, you know, cars and crash dummies. Smash this car into the wall. Let's see what happens. Treating people, human beings that way. I, I'm, I'm telling you, man, it's freaking unbelievable. How this bitch organization was not shut down when the meager revelations came to light. And when I say meager, they're pretty shocking. But meager in comparison to, to what's been hidden, we don't even know. 
half of it, what was done. The origins of psychological warfare uh, were in Nazi Germany. And in the Nazi ideology, they had something that was called Weltanschauungskrieg, which means worldview warfare. The idea for them was imposing the Nazi worldview on the countries that they had occupied. The Americans picked up this idea, created an American version of it, and called that psychological warfare. trying to understand psychological warfare and in trying to understand the American approach to post-war efforts to control people's minds, both as individuals and on a mass scale. There's a lot of illusions about how that was done. Were Nazis involved in that process? Yes, they were. Project Paperclip was a United States government-sanctioned CIA operation for the importation of Nazi and fascist scientists into the United States. Their statement was simply this, if we don't bring these people into this country and contain them, then our enemies, the Soviet Union, will get them. first wave was to bring these scientists. There were 700 odd propulsion scientists. And then there were some 600 and some odd mind sciences people that they brought in. The CIA was given the responsibility of actually placing the individuals out of Project Paperclip into the military industrial complex, including our colleges and universities. Mind control was a psychological warfare weapon that Adolf Hitler regarded as the answer for taking over the entire planet. The name for the mind control research in this country was MKUltra. MKUltra was one program of a series of programs that came out of the CIA to experiment with different types of mind control using drugs, using electroshock, using insulin shock, and, and other techniques. I think that the goal for those people who planned the program was very straightforward. It was an attempt to figure out a way to interrogate people and to learn how to protect their own agents against control by others. put someone in a position of being disabled by not feeding them or not allowing them to sleep or overwhelming them with sound, if you use massive shock treatment and you give people massive doses of drugs such as PCP or mescaline or amphetamines or LSD, and if you put them in periods of darkness where they can't predict from one minute to another what is going to happen next, so they're always dreading, there's no consistency to sort of what's going to happen, anybody can be put in a position of being open to brainwashing.
Newman Cameron was probably the foremost psychiatrist of his time in the 1950s. He was using high-tech sound techniques. He was using multiple kinds of loop recorders to force people to listen to recorded messages 24 hours a day for weeks on end to basically destroy people's thinking patterns. surgic acid into the vein and he patted me on the shoulder and said now there lassie we'll see you later and I started to feel very frightened and the fright became a terror and I sort of began throwing myself from one side of the room to the other I didn't know what to do to stop this feeling it felt like my bones were melting that I was um, I just didn't know who I was anymore. This is not just break-ins of people's homes. It's not just invasions of privacy by illegal wiretapping. This is uh, an invasion of a person's mind. But uh, that is about as uh, profound uh, an injury, uh, except for loss of life, that the government can impose. was a, a post-Nazi program, if you will. It was a, uh, an Americanization. I've often made the statement, and I still make it flippantly, the Nazis didn't lose the war. They just had to move. Now it's 50 years later. Now they're much more clever, much more sophisticated. They have a lot more money to spend.
Local taxes paying for security Yet they block the public out through walls of obscurity It's a private affair, no you weren't invited Most scalp tickets and they get so excited Race Creek is the water of my soul Every spring break they die green for the hole Weekend and weekend, spy in the beginning I can only think about what's underwater breathing Pops fought war for oil in the gulf Well big ol' CEOs are watching Fowler play golf It must be the signals that are cancerin' from towers And the SRS soil, the game, Bernanke, all the power Anxious got us right, right outside the gates Where when I was just a kid I got in trouble tempting fate 90s vid surveillance rendered me speechless And ever since then I've been digging up their secrets Welcome to Moment of Rage with Jeremiah Harding. It is Wednesday, the 5th of April, 2017, and you're listening to Moment of Rage with Jeremiah Harding on JournalisticRevolution.com and IPMNation.com. So, before I get into anything... I wanted to make it clear that at the end of the show, there's going to be an ad for Room for Freedom, the rebranded Freedom Bed and Breakfast uh, that is designed to give you secure private travel um, with whoever will list their, their their lodging, whatever that lodging may be. Um, it's It's a good step toward decentralization as far as I can see. And, uh, and I have a message from Ben Stone, or Bad Quaker Ben, as he's more commonly known on Twitter and elsewhere, uh, detailing what it is, and uh, I'm excited to have that ad on my show. Uh, if you want to advertise on my show, let me know, and we'll discuss rates. Um, but... Like I said in the last recording, which I guess it turned into a pretty long rant on that subject alone, but the reason I use old clips like the ones you heard is because I think that it's good to remember that everything that you can think of, everything evil the government does, is related to something it built on, its foundations. And if you can look back on the foundations of the CIA as what amounts to nothing more in my mind than a terrorist organization with government funding, then it makes sense what most of their actions have been. Domestic spying when they're an intelligence agency that's theoretically supposed to be monitoring non-citizens, arming and training radical Islamic terrorists in the 80s, pointing them at the Russians. Their MKUltra program was a mind control program. They wanted to see if they could cook somebody's brain enough that they could Use it in a recipe. And it's funny, because when you start talking about shit like this, even though it's well-known and well-documented, people call you a conspiracy theorist as if that's supposed to devalue your argument in some way. It doesn't, but 
one of the biggest lies that's been perpetrated, if not the biggest lie, on all global populations is that your government acts in your interest. Is that your government acts according to what is best for you and would therefore not conspire against your will and against your freedom and against your prosperity for any reason. And because of this lie they have been able to perpetrate the single largest control system ever known. And in dispelling illusions, one of the basic components of that dispelling necessitates an understanding of the lies. Because it's only when you understand the lies that the truth can be known. It's like sedimentary rock. It builds on itself. And the deeper you dig, the more you can find out about history. And when you find out about that history, you can find out what events led to where we are now. And where we are now is in a society that is controlled from the top down by very sick people. And by sick, I mean mentally ill. These people are not the sort of well-adjusted citizen that they claim to want you to be. It's hypocrisy of the highest order that they would demand sanity and patience and restraint from a people that they control with nothing of the sort. But it's good to remember. It's good to remember that the CIA was involved in all manner of gruesome activities before it could make your smart devices seem like they're off when they're on. This new revelation series only serves to tell us that the CIA has been doing the same things that the NSA has been doing for a much more protracted period of time than the NSA. That the CIA, for all of its prevention of terrorism, is not only one of the biggest terrorist sponsoring organizations, but one of the single greatest informational terrorist cells on the planet. But the fact that they can get into your computer, into your privacy, that's nothing. They found ways to break into your mind, into the mind of other people, tested well enough to replicate it in the people that they wanted to target in the future. That's what the program MKUltra was about, expanding that control. So, 
in the beginning of this episode, I played Truth Channel by MO666 on SoundCloud. I played Bilderberg's Masters of Ceremony. And I also played uh, What is MKUltra from War Drums Fire on YouTube. That was a video published May 28th, 2015. And I also put in the track something from Truth Hurts, H-E-R-T-Z, which was a recording of Charles Giuliani discussing MKUltra. And of course, Howard Beale's rant from the network. Now, why focus on these defunct programs? Well, the more you learn about the government, whichever government that may be, wherever you are in the world, the more you should understand that defunct programs never really die. The government never really stops a program or another. They just rename it. For instance, oftentimes when the American government does not want to admit to having boots on the ground, they'll use that language to discuss only government troops. And they use this bullshit private-public distinction to say that if they hire private mercenaries, that they won't have boots on the ground, even though that's obviously untrue. To even the barest scrutiny, they can use language to control. And an organization that started off as Academy, which switched to Blackwater, then XE Services LLC, and now just XE, is a perfect is a perfect example of an organization not fading but changing name. And if you start to look at the techniques used in many modern techniques, whatever they be, especially in terms of interrogation, MKUltra never really left. And this is relevant to the Vault 7 leaks because a key aspect of interrogation is understanding the subject. And what better, what more proficient way to understand the subject than to worm your way in to every device they own, every room in their house, every street that they walk down or store that they enter and exit, every minute of every day that they're at business by hijacking their smart devices 
and laptops and home computers. to effectively monitor them 24-7. The definition of a panopticon is a circular prison with cells arranged around a central well from which prisoners could at all times be observed. This sort of prison actually to give you to give a more modern context if you've seen guardian of the Gal- guardians of the galaxy that uh, that was a panopticon prison that was in that movie just to give you a mental picture or if you've played silent hill 4 the room uh, and seen that uh, the, the prison world a panopticon is designed for ideal containment and control where a central heavily reinforced column can be used to effectively observe for any misbehavior. I don't know how many of these still exist in the world, but people who've been in them had almost always considered them massively inhumane by phrasing of one way or another. But it could be much more humane were they to add fun little apps that you could play. Entire networks of people, games, alternate universes, books, music, YouTube. Fuck, you might be playing me from a device right now that's hooked up to this internet that the CIA has hijacked for their purposes. It's friendly fascism. They have you controlled because people are afraid to act. When it comes down to it, a lot of the time when I get into conversations about working together in anarchist society, people are very nervous. They say, well, you're going to encounter some pretty heavy opposition from people who are very serious. And these people have the t- much better tools to fight you than you do to fight back. And they know, typically, when they make that suggestion that it also applies to them an insurmountable force of military might that is spread across the globe. The New World Order in action. But if life is just a simulation where you're going through somebody else's programs, where you're going through somebody else's ideal metric for your life, then is that really worth living? Or do we have nothing to lose in fighting back? 
it's bracing to think about the level of control that people have over us who we were raised to implicitly trust and what that control means in terms of its ability to totally cow us into submission. They know what makes you tick. And they can pull out the gear so your watch stops working. They've studied human psychology for decades, if not centuries. Noting duly the ability to control people by way of various stimuli and environmental conditions. And they have it down to more than a science, down to an art. A grotesque art form where every painting ends up with you in chains even if the chain happens to be the latest phone. But this is fine with most people. They don't think about the consequences of trusting the same motherfuckers that put Japanese people in prison camps. that bombed two of their cities with white-hot balls of radioactive death that continue to deal a similar radioactive death in an unspoken nuclear war of depleted uranium where children are born deformed and then die very quickly and the ones who survive lived a very ugly life full of pain and misery. And the families there have cancer. They have reproductive disabilities. They have flesh coming off of their body. People trust these people to be accurate representatives of the people's will even after countless examples of the Electoral College deciding elections over a popular vote. It's not even the majority that matters, it's just what the college says. No matter how you try to explain it away with districts, which are gerrymandered to begin with. The system is controlled against you and it's not inclined to do you any favors. Operation Paperclip importing Nazis. People don't look at these connections because it's easy not to, but also because they've been taught to be suspicious of anything or anybody 
that counters the mainstream narrative. The fake news horseshit has died down temporarily while they need it to. And for a good reason. The mainstream sources of news and information started to bear the brunt of alternative sources telling the people, and rightly and duly so, that those mainstream sources were far more artificial than anything the alternative media was putting out as they towed the corporations and government's line. The narrative died, at least for the temporary moment, because it's much easier to say that your opponent is producing fake news when you aren't already doing that and haven't been for centuries. Yellow journalism is not new. For instance, the Daily Mail hit on Yorick Sprav, which was a sickening display of how it's okay to cover possibly terrible things only in the way the establishment media wants them covered. The establishment media, of course, connected with the government, with previous recommended operations like Northwoods being good examples of the kind of ideas they bat around the office for how to control the narrative and the people by extension. Where Jörg Sprav made a video detailing how you could get through very common, cheaply made, claimedly anti-stab vests by using a certain technique with most sharp objects because they just didn't have good resistance. The little aluminum plate inside didn't do much for anybody. And the Daily Mail lies and says that he was training people to stab people in the same way that the Westminster guy, um, police officer, I believe, was also killed. Not remembering that that guy was killed while wearing a vest made of entirely different materials, with very few exceptions. And people bought that shit in such droves that the YouTube um, community, through misuse of the reporting feature, got a community strike on his channel, which has since been removed after public outcry. This was after PewDiePie was maligned for being a Nazi, by the Nazi media, by the way, 
don't ever forget that they're affiliated with the same corporations that date back to that. Just because he made some jokes that the person writing the hit pieces thought were off-color. And all at once, like the Gamers Are Dead narrative, all at once, the Talking Points memos went out and said PewDiePie is anti-Semitic and possibly a Nazi and we need to destroy him. The fake news, mainstream media, distorting the truth. Because if you control people's minds, you control their every action. You control the world. And if you can make people think that who you don't like is the enemy, then they just might believe you. They're pitting us against each other. I don't know if you noticed a running theme through my show so far. But we're nearly to episode 15, and almost every one I have encouraged people to unite. I don't know how many people listen to my show, and I thank every person who does. It means a lot to me to know that my words aren't falling on deaf ears. Please share this show with the people you care about, and with the people you don't. We need to unite. We need to stop accepting the divisive narrative that they will use to get us to kill each other while they make out with the cash. We need to stand up and say we're not going to take this anymore. Because you know that they will not stop. They will not cease remotely until they are utterly destroyed by one means or another. And even then, let's say we get the glorious revolution against the government and it's 100% successful as far as we can tell. You gotta remember Government programs never die, they just change name. I may disagree with Antifa in a lot of ways, but one thing is for sure. There is a Nazi or a Maoist around every corner. They've infiltrated society so much so that it is difficult to know who is on our side and who is not. And after a revolution, after a revolution, we can expect much more confusion, not much less. Because it's when the government seems to be gone that they could be in retreat to plan their next move.
Read The Art of War. It's about being a step ahead of your enemy. And about keeping morale enough, high enough to fight the motherfuckers back. So unite. Don't be divided. And understand that the institutions that you were told to trust as a child, the official sources that you were allowed to use on your paper, the sources you were allowed to bring up in class, in your church, in your household, those sources, those official sources, aren't on your side. Yeah, there's the occasional bit of good information thrown in. But it's sort of like a movie. The beginning of the movie is an establishing shot. What they do is they take shots of a city they take a shot of a familiar landscape or a familiar looking landscape in order to firmly vest in the viewer's mind the idea that what they're watching is real, even though it may not be. And those establishing shots can even be crafted on a blue screen stage. Entire cityscapes in the background and people are really walking on a sound stage in Universal Studios or 20th Century Fox. All of this is heavily possible and it's that image that is crafted, the establishing shot, cars, normal people walking where they normally do. All of this is designed to create a sense of familiarity. And they can then move into absurd, unrealistic territory with a suspension of disbelief because people believe firmly that it's not real but their mind is tricked into feeling as though it is. It's the same with establishment media with official sources with their idea of truth not what is really true, but what they tell you to believe. Because as long as they include just enough truth, just enough obvious statements, they can get you to believe the rest of the report, even though it may be false. It may not be a dragon, or a superhero fight, or a thriller, or a horror movie with a 
demonic slasher. But it should be more terrifying to you because it's real. How much they can establish their ideas in your brain depends on your ability to filter out the truth for yourself. The more you think for yourself, the more the rest of the world will seem insane. And yeah, you might be getting a little bit crazy. It can feel panicked and insane to realize that the environment and reality that your parents and society and everybody you trusted is all an illusion crafted to destroy your spirit of revolution. To destroy your independence so that you're just another cog in the machine. It's fucking unnerving, and I know it, because I've been through the process and I go through more of it every day. But it's something you have to do if you want to break away from the system that treats you like a number in a computer to be collated and deleted if necessary, thrown in the recycle bin. They have destroyed you already if you are unwilling to accept the thought that what they're doing might not be in your interests. And unfortunately, a good deal of the populace is already willingly destroyed. There's some redeemability in that anybody who starts to apply concepts evenly among different possible situations can start to see the patterns like links in a chain attached to the shackles around their wrists, but that's a choice you have to make. It's a choice you have to make to stand up and say, I'm not going to take this anymore. It's a choice you have to make to say, I'm not going to be a number in your system. That my life matters to me, and that that's all that matters. Even if you just think I'm a tax cattle. Even if you would rather I stay down so that you can stay up. I will rise. You need to rise against these people. Not necessarily violently, although Godspeed if you try. But you need to rise against these people in your own personal revolution by understanding reality enough to know that the vision they give you is not reality. It is an illusion meant to blind you and keep you controlled. A panopticon prison where the only thing you see is walls, and so walls are the only thing you think is real. And where they watch you from the middle with all of your devices, from central points of power and control, and you voluntarily consent to it by accepting the latest terms of service. These are the grounds on which we walk, and we have a choice of which path we take.
But make no mistake, it could be the last choice we ever take. Because the last choice you make is the one where you decide to stop thinking for yourself and let other people make your decisions for you. This has been Moment of Rage with Jeremiah Harding. The ad for Room for Freedom will appear at the end of the uh, broadcast. Please check out Chain Reaction, my weekly podcast on Sundays on YouTube. And thank you for listening. This is MO666 with Conspiracy Reality. See you next Wednesday. out of a uh, perception if it found its way into language if it found its way into language if it found its way into language if it found its way into This is Ben Stone from BadQuaker.com. I'd like to tell you about my latest project. It's called Room for Freedom.
I love to travel. I love to drive the highways and see the countryside. I like stopping at farm stands and farmers markets. What I don't like is handing my hard-earned money to some giant international conglomerate that owns hotels and motels around the world, a corporation that will hand my private travel information to anyone for a price or to governments without even a slip of paper. That's right, I said it. I like my privacy. I'm one of those radicals that believe that a private transaction between two consenting adults is just that. It's private. That's why my team is building a new app that will provide a way to travel and interact with individuals without anyone looking at my spending habits and without leaving a paper trail everywhere I go. My team is building a website and an app that will allow a host to privately list whatever they offer, a room, a bed, a couch, or maybe even a whole house. Hey, you know, maybe they have a spot under a tree where you can pitch your tent or park your RV. And whatever arrangement you make with them for compensation... That's none of my business. Right now, the Room for Freedom app is being developed, and our programmers are using secure encryption. Then, when the programmers are done, our testers will try their best to crack it. We hope to release the beta version of Room for Freedom in May of 2017. Now, that's pretty soon, so we need your help. We need to raise enough money to pay our programming team and to pay for some advertising so we can let people know what a great product that we offer. And you can be a part of this project by going to roomforfreedom.com. We have links there to our social media and to our Indiegogo campaign. If you can't afford to help right now, you can still share us on your social media pages, and that'll help, and I promise you we'll appreciate it. That's roomforfreedom.com. The word room, the number four, and the word freedom.com. Because in a true free market, transactions are private.